And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you're having a fantastic week. Uh, yeah, Sorry if I sound a little tired today. I was up till 4 in the morning, probably like the rest of you. Uh, I was joined by my good friend Brad Devlin on today's show. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't really know what today's podcast was going to look like. I was hoping we would know who the next president of the United States will be by now. Uh, we don't, uh, but we did our best. We, we, we broke down... Uh, the race state by state. We told you what we know, what we don't know. Um, tried to stay away from cons- conspiracy theories and stick to the facts, but, you know, we'll see. We, we break it all down. Brad and I, we, we did our best. We are here for you. <laughs> Before I get to Brad, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And, and guys, please, listen to the whole episode right away. I mean, don't don't wait. Please tell your friends to download it right away because, look, this podcast might be completely irrelevant by tomorrow or by five seconds from now. Who knows? <laughs> Feel free to make fun of me if everything I said uh, turns out wrong. <laughs> but like I said, we did our best. Uh, without further ado, here's my chat with the great Brad Devlin. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Brad Devlin. Brad, oh boy, uh, <laughs> uh, how how are you feeling, man? Uh, right now, I feel like Hunter Biden after a weekend in Vegas or Atlantic City. Uh, I was up till like four o'clock in the morning Eastern time, just completely cracked out on you know Red Bull and and anxiety. Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny. You invited me on this podcast yesterday, and I was like, "All right, yeah, we'll have some stuff to talk about. We have some stuff to talk about, but nothing is decisive. Right. <laughs> nothing can. Yeah, it's still all very much up for grabs. Leaning probably Biden, eighty to twenty. Yeah, I point. agree. And we're going to get into what we know, what we don't know. Um, I, I just want to apologize to the audience in advance. This this podcast probably isn't going to. I mean, the show isn't really structured to begin with, but it's probably going to be less structured. Uh, <laughs> a little bit more ridiculous than normal because we just really there's a lot of unanswered questions out there. But w- one thing before we get into the 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 meat and potatoes here, the only thing we do know for certain is that the polling industry is done, right? I mean, like those people can't show up to the office today. Um, I mean, Trump drastically outperformed the polls in nearly every state, and we're talking about ten point swings. You know, the the real clear politics. Polling average had Trump down one point in Ohio. He won by eight and a half points. I mean, man, a nine, a nine and a half points. I mean, they had, uh, you know, Biden up ten to twelve in Wisconsin. That's going to come down to a point, maybe a half a point. Looks like Biden will pull out Wisconsin. But I mean, you know, these pollsters are going to have to learn to code, right? I mean, <laughs> their industry is done. Nate Silver is out of a job today, right? Yeah, and it's kind of weird where certain other polls, like in Minnesota and New Hampshire and Arizona, swung in the opposite direction. Arizona's tightening. It's going to be within the margin of error, so not a lot of blame there. Um, But boy, did they whiff on Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Literally, 
Um, the Biden landslide that people were predicting just going off of polls because it was an argument of, from authority the entire time, right? That that has been dismissed. Um, Florida's the future Texas. That's going to be a Republican stronghold, I think, for many years to come. Ohio, um, man. Ohio as well. That's that's a massive, massive swing. Um, Iowa as well. That made Democrats really, really nervous when that Des Moines, Iowa, or Des Moines Register poll came out saying that Trump was going to carry Iowa and that Johnny Ernst was going to re win re-election. Um, there's a lot of social desirability ba uh, bias happening in these polls because I think primarily Trump is at the top of the ticket. It's not just hatred of Republicans generally. Um, and uh, that's why I think also Republican senators are overperforming, right? If you have a social desirability bias against Donald, Donald Trump, you're going to swing that way down ballot as well. And, and that's why I think you're seeing uh, you're seeing Senate candidates. The Republicans are most likely going to hit re uh, retain the Senate, and you're seeing the presidential election uh, really go against uh, polling knowledge. Yeah, I mean that that's I think you're absolutely right. Let's let's take a look at just where things stand right now. Um, a bunch of states have not been called. Uh, that's North Carolina, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nevada. Uh, Arizona was called early last night. Um, the Trump team is disputing that, uh, you know, that potentially could flip. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I'd probably not. But um, so out of the states that have not been called, um, it really comes down to Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin. I, I think the president will hold Georgia and North Carolina uh, barring something crazy. And I think Biden will hold Nevada for the Democrats. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It is really down to the Midwest, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan. Yeah, I think the president's going to fare well in Georgia, but in Georgia, Stacey Abrams. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I was in a meeting today and someone proposed the headline, uh, Stacey Abrams has actually just won the presidency. Um, and it was a joke, if, if Georgia was going to go blue, it's because Stacey Abrams spent so much time registering voters, specific, voters specifically in Atlanta uh, and in the Atlanta suburbs um, over the course of her career. And she really paved the groundwork for Georgia to be this competitive. But yeah, it's gonna come down to Pe Pennsylvania, um, we're looking at Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia County and the surrounding counties, counties, Montgomery County, Delaware County, um, and Chester County. All of them are reporting around 60 to 85 percent of the vote in so far. Um, Trump, I think, does have a good shot of still carrying Pennsylvania, even with a little less than a nine or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, about a nine point spread right now. And here's why. Uh, most of the rural counties haven't started counting mail-in ballots yet, or at least some of the rural counties that had to devote most of their small resources to in-person balloting uh, yesterday. That's going to skew a little bit Biden, but Trump's still going to have a very, very large advantage there. So maybe some of these rural counties get redder, but their population is too small to make that much of a difference. In Philadelphia and the surrounding counties of Philadelphia County, uh, President, like they're they're saying that there's about a million point two ballots out there still that need to be counted. For Joe Biden to make up this gap, Biden's going to have to get about 850 to 950 thousand votes to Donald Trump's 300 to 350 thousand votes. It's I think that's a little that's bit more actually. Um, yeah, it might be a little bit more. So but that's a a really steep mountain to climb. I I'm with people who say, listen, Democrats are more likely to vote mail in. They're going to they're going to, you know, get 66 percent of the mail in ballots once they're counted. I believe that I don't believe that they're going to get 
85, 90% of the mail-in ballots, which is something we've seen recently break in Michigan, which is just absurd. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying to get the most updated information. It's still, I'm still seeing that Trump is up over 650,000 votes in Pennsylvania, and if with, with one 1.2 million uh, left, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to do math in my head. Yeah, I mean, look, Biden. If Biden picks up, <clears throat> picks up 70 plus percent of the remaining vote in Pennsylvania, he wins the state. That's possible. Obviously, the vast majority of mail-in votes are Democrats. But like you said, Pennsylvania is a weird state. A lot of these rural counties uh, are still, like you said, only reporting 60, 70 percent. So there are a lot of Republican mail-in votes out there still. PA is going to come down to the wire. I mean, uh, if if the percentages across the board of mail-in voting going towards Biden hold, uh, Biden wins Pennsylvania but we just don't know. We don't know how much of a factor those rural counties play in. I, I honestly, I don't think Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna get an answer out of Pennsylvania this week. It, it might be next. You know, it might be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, I, I just don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not even talking fraud or, or any, any any kind of extracurriculars. I'm just talking about if everything's done above board, um, it's still gonna it's gonna come down to the wire. Yeah, if everything's done above board. Remember, they can still count ballots. Um, that are received three days after election day, as long as they're postmarked before the election. So those madness, are madness. most likely going to skew Biden. But yeah, I, I, I agree that it's madness. But my question is, are late breaking mail-in ballots going to be more favorable towards Trump than Biden? Because a lot of these people had already made up their minds. They already knew they were going to vote mail-in once this pandemic hit and it wasn't letting up during the summer and they wanted to get Trump out of office. Are there folks who decide, who were thinking that they wanted to go to the polls in person and then decided, mm, don't really want to go to the polls in person. I'm going to submit my ballot via mail relatively later than most of the Democratic mail-in ballots. And are those going to skew a little bit more Republican, helping Donald Trump stave off um, some of the advantage in Pennsylvania? I don't think we know, even if above board, we know by Friday. I agree with you on that. But the election might be called by Friday in favor of Joe Biden. Now, Obviously, there's going to be litigation in Pennsylvania. There's going to be litigation in Arizona, Nevada, wherever Trump loses by a narrow margin in Michigan as well. Um, if he ends up losing there, there's going to be a lot of litigation. So we're going to have an idea of, OK, Biden has won. If, if you know, these numbers that we're seeing from mail-in ballots hold, OK, Biden has is over 270. These states are being litigated and. Pennsylvania has still not yet been called. So maybe this maybe this election doesn't hinge on Pennsylvania. Maybe it's much more about Michigan and Arizona. Before we move on, um, I and this is just a side note, and maybe I'm I'm a simple man, Brad. <laughs> I uh, I just don't understand how. And I, I don't I haven't done a deep dive into the methodology of how different states count votes. And I know it's a state by state issue. But Florida has a larger population than Pennsylvania. Florida has uh, a higher percentage of, of people that vote absentee and mail in in Florida because a lot of elderly people obviously vote absentee. Florida accurately counted their votes in under an hour. It took them 50 minutes after the, the, the panhandle stopped voting. You know, the central time uh, polls closed and they had already called the state. They, they had counted every single vote accurately. How? Like, why aren't we going to get these numbers out of Pennsylvania until next week? I, I just don't—what is Florida doing right, and what is, is 
Pennsylvania doing wrong, if, if you can explain it? I will tell you how. So Florida, since the election of 2000, has been really, really keen on getting elections right. They really tightened up their election laws. Um, they do a lot of mail-in balloting smart. in Pro Florida. Good call. It's very, good. very smart. <laughs> Yes, this. So what you're going to see around a ton of these states after the 2016 or 2020 election is, I think, a revolution in voter um, in the way that that elections are conducted. I do think that mail in balloting is here to stay. I do think it's more rife for fraud in, than in person balloting. Listen, if you want to make sure your ballot is counted and submitted properly, go to the polls in person. That said, Florida has a very, very um a very, very robust mail-in balloting system, and they have laws on the books that lets counties process absentee ballots weeks in advance. And, and they, they're not counted, they're just processed once they arrive in the mail before election day. So when they're processed, they can be quickly counted on election day, and that's why you're getting those results so quickly in Florida. You're not getting those results quickly in Pennsylvania. You're not getting those results quickly in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina processes day of election and then they release mail-in balloting and then they're going to receive from November 4th all the way until November 14th, they're gonna receive and and um, calculate more mail-in balloting and that's why even with the more than you know a point or a point and a half lead or whatever Trump has in North Carolina right now, they still haven't called that state. In Pennsylvania, they don't have that. In Michigan, they don't really have that. They're, gonna, they're expected um, a, a spokesperson, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, I believe it was a spokesperson uh, for the Secretary of State's office told me in a piece that I was writing earlier this week that they're going to still be counting ballots up until probably Friday. Um, so I think you're going to see a revolution in a lot of these states on how they're going to conduct mail-in balloting with its rights and pop popularity in the future. And I think it's going to reflect strongly what you're seeing in Florida. Because yeah. just the litigation is just going to be insane. It's going to be super expensive. It's going to be insane. And a lot of these um, county officials um, are going to be dragged through the mud. And quite frankly, the com the country just deserves better. I mean, we, we deserve better than that. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm against early voting just on principle. Obviously, I, I do early vote because I'm a hypocrite. Um, basically, it's it's nice and sunny and warm in October uh, in Toledo, Ohio, and it's very cold and sometimes snowy and rainy in November. So if I'm to wait outside, uh, I'm gonna do it when it's still warm. So <laughs> that's why I vote early. Yep. But you know, if we are gonna if early voting and mail in voting is gonna continue, which it probably is. Uh, Florida's method should be the law of the land in all 50 states. I mean, this is just, come on. We, can you save Did I just hear a libertarian say law of the land? Look, I'm just saying Insane. For, for my own just stress levels, for my own podcast, I would love to know who the president is right now. And this is, uh, this is absurd. So, okay, really interesting this morning, Bill Stepien, uh, Trump's campaign manager, uh, did, a, did a press call to supporters where, where the Trump team kind of laid out why they believe the president will actually will, will take Pennsylvania, which we we already we don't need to talk Pennsylvania. That's possible. Uh, I, I don't know. He he definitely certainly has a chance to take Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So does Biden. It just depends on the percentage of those mail in votes. But he they're they're claiming that they have a path to flip Arizona. Now Arizona was called early earlier than Arizona is typically called. Um, obviously they are a, a, a Pacific time state. Um, it does seem weird. You know, we're, we're up to, what, 85, 87% of votes counted uh, last time I checked in Arizona. Um, Biden's lead is shrinking. Uh, the Trump team claims that uh, the network should not have called Arizona, that it's too close to call, that a lot of the uh, the ballots that haven't been counted yet are from Trump-friendly areas. Um, 
they seem pretty confident. Uh, it's their job to seem confident. So I don't know. I mean, you have to take everything each campaign says with a grain of salt. But um, let, let's go county by county briefly in some of the, the contested areas. Is there a chance Trump does flip Arizona? And if that's possible, just I have no idea, man. But it seems it, much if, more likely than it did at 1130 when I believe Fox News called Arizona right. on behalf of former Vice President Joe Biden. I don't. So right now, Maricopa County, which is where Phoenix is, where Trump won in 2016 by a margin of three points, a little less than three points, 2.9. Right. Right now, he's down 52.3 to 46.3. That's not going to hold. Okay. I have a hard time. It Right. And it was even larger. It was 54 to 44 earlier. Okay. I have a hard time believing that Donald Trump is going to lose Maricopa County by that much. That said, Maricopa County accounts for like one half to three quarters of the state's population. Even if Donald Trump was to claw his way back and make it a four point spread, right? So maybe maybe instead of a six point spread, it's a four point, maybe three and a half point spread. I'm not seeing the votes in these rural counties that went for Trump to really turn the tide. I mean, I, I see Pinnell County has 90% reporting and it's 55% to 42% Donald Trump right now. And that was um, about the same margin in 2016. Uh, I, I just like a lot of these counties that are, you know, still 10% to 5% of the vote out, they're rural counties with very few votes. Like if you're going to stake this on Gila County, which is uh, northeast of Phoenix, Right. Donald Trump is up 65.7 to 33% with 93% reporting. But guess how many votes Donald Trump has there? 16,000 votes. That's not going to erode a 100,000 vote or 750 or 500,000 vote advantage Biden holds in Maricopa County. I really do think that the suburbs um, have become a lot more blue because a lot of people from blue states like California and New Mexico have moved to Phoenix in the, in the Phoenix area. I know this personally. It's mass exodus out of California and for good reason. And I think they're bluing those suburbs. And I think Trump's personality just frankly doesn't play well there. Um, so that's that's where I'm seeing. I just don't see where these votes are going to come from to bridge the three and a half, three point four point, uh, three point four point gap that the president is currently uh, dealing with in Arizona. Right. And I, I feel the same way. I would be, I, I wouldn't say shocked because I'm not shocked by anything anymore, but I would be surprised um, if they did flip Arizona. The Trump team, obviously, they say they're confident. They think they're going to win the state by something like thirty or 40,000 votes. Take that for what it's worth. So barring something ridiculous in you know, North Carolina or, or something like that, um, from where it stands right now, the path for each candidate, if Trump wins, if Trump flips Arizona and wins Pennsylvania, he's, you know, he's living in the White House for four more years. If Biden wins Pennsylvania, Trump would have to somehow pull out. He'd have to flip Arizona and win Wisconsin and Michigan. If Biden holds, or flip Nevada or flip Nevada, if Biden holds Arizona Trump has to win Pennsylvania and either Wisconsin or Michigan, most likely Michigan. Did I get all that right, or is there another path for Trump or another path for Biden? Yeah, I think the most likely path is that Trump wins Pennsylvania, and that puts you, you know, assuming that we hold Georgia and North Carolina, right. that puts you at 268. 
Okay, so you need to flip Nevada, Michigan, Arizona, or Wisconsin. You're not going to win Wisconsin. No. You're not going to win Wisconsin with 97% reporting. I don't think you're going to win Arizona either. So now you have Nevada and Michigan. Now, Michigan's interesting because, well, we can talk about the ballot dumping later. But Nevada is intriguing because the president is doing much better than he was in Clark County, where Las Vegas is, in 2020 than he was in 2016. In 2016, he got 41.7 to Hillary Clinton's 524 Right now in Nevada, with 84% reporting, he's got 45 to 52.9. That's a that's a big difference. And where where are the votes left in in Nevada? Well, there's not a ton left, but they are in rural counties. It seems the only one that uh, is giving me pause is uh, Reno's County, which is Washoe or Washu. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, they're going a little bit more Biden than they did Trump in 20, uh, or Biden has a bigger lead there than Hillary did in 2016 with 89% reporting. But again, the votes are out there at least I can say right. for Trump to win, to win in Nevada, but with a, you know, nearly seven, like a seven point spread, seven and a half point spread in Clark County. Um, if that, persists for the last 15 percent of voting he's not going to be able to do it right right so as i said as i said he's going to have to rely on mail-in ballots that are late breaking to break in his favor and and that's uh, i mean even 538 has had a hard time figuring out exactly when these mail-in ballots are going in um how these precincts are handling it um but yeah there's they're they're anticipating more of a blue shift as we move further out from the election, but we haven't, we, you know, we've seen a more red shift uh, thus far. Right. And I want to talk real briefly about the, uh, the ballot dumping in Michigan, but, you know, just to, to sum up our projections here, where it stands as is, obviously um, you, I'd say Joe Biden's in a better position right now uh, than president Trump, but it's not over. Uh, we'll see. We might not have an answer for another week. Who knows? Um, real quick. I, I'm not, I'm not, crying conspiracy yet i'm not i'm not crying foul yet um but there's some funky stuff happening in michigan man and i don't understand it there, and there may everything may be above board everything may be completely normal but i need an explanation the the american public deserves an explanation yeah about 5 a.m after everybody had gone to bed last night uh uh you know the vote counters in michigan found uh, 138,000 ballots all 138,000 were for Joe Biden. Um, that's insane. Uh, I, I don't know if this was a county reporting. I don't know if this is just a batch of mail-in ballots. I don't know if they were segregating the ballots. They were separating the, the Trump and the Biden ballots and reporting them separately. I don't even think that would be legal if that's what they were doing, if that is the explanation. Um, what is happening in Michigan? Have you heard anybody even attempt to—any any officials in, Mission to, in Michigan, has anybody even attempted to explain— what is happening? Well, all I can tell you is what is what the the Michigan spokesperson for the Secretary of State told me earlier this week when I was writing on on the electoral prospects for Biden and Trump in the, in the lead up to this thing, about, specifically about mail-in balloting and, and how it affects the election. She said they're not going to finish counting until most likely the, the this Friday. Why? So you look at Wayne County. This um, just the way that they process mail-in ballots. They were trying to get different bills passed that allowed these ballots to be processed prior to, um, you know, the, the polls closing, but that wasn't passed, um, or at least the bill was passed, but it was amended so that the counties couldn't do that. Um, 
And and that's that's why there's a lot of consternation right now in Michigan. So there will be a ton of legal challenges um, if Michigan is within a point, I, I believe. Now, this just came across the wire that Biden has expanded his lead to more than 30,000 votes in Michigan, um, which is three times the total amount of Donald Trump's victory, I believe, in the state in 2016. Um, and that's coming from where? From Wayne County, of course. Now, this is interesting, though. He expands his lead to 30,000 votes. But the percentage for Joe Biden, right, I think he was at 67 point something. It's now at 66.9 and Donald Trump's at 31.7. Donald Trump's performing 2% better than he was in Wayne County in 2016. Now, when I went to bed, he was performing 10% better. And if that held, I thought, you know, I thought it wasn't going to hold. I thought maybe five to seven points, but, you know, losing a full eight to nine points, um, is, is insane in Wayne County with mail-in balloting. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I'm not crying conspiracy. I'm not denying the, the results of the election. I'm just saying it's very, very strange to see that many ballots come in exclusively for one candidate um, and then be reported, right? If I was someone who's working with the New York Times interactive map, I'd say, okay, they just reported a ton of ballots for Joe Biden. We got to reach out to them and say, hey, you're showing right now that more than 90% of the ballots that you just reported are for Joe Biden. Are you going to dump Trump ballots at some point? Are you segregating by party? What's going on? I don't think there was a lot of um, questions asked there because they assumed they, you know, the, the, the media establishment assumes that mail-in ballots are going to break for Biden. If this was something coming out of a rural county and, and you know, returns came in and it was 90 5% Trump, 5% Biden, you'd say, yeah, it's a rural county that Biden's going to win, but or, or that Trump's going to win, but this, this number, this volume isn't going to hold. Where Trump possibly lost this election um, in Michigan is in a lot of rural areas that don't have as big a gap as they did in 2016 for Donald Trump. Um, now, there are votes that can be had in Macomb County, you go up to like the the thumb in the oven mitt, right? In Tuscaloosa area, County and yeah. Huron yep. County. Yeah, you have votes that he can make up. You have votes that he can make up, especially in Monroe County. Um, but does that offset 30,000 votes? I don't think so. And I don't think he has, I forget what they, they call it, but the little panhandle up top. I don't think he has enough votes there either because most of those rural counties are reporting already over 90, 98% of the vote is in. So I, I am, uh, I'm very bearish on Michigan for Donald Trump right now. Um, and if that's the case, then even if Trump wins Pennsylvania, this thing is wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if and I, I tend to agree on Michigan and if you're right, um, it would come down to if if Trump manages to to pull out Pennsylvania, it would come down to flipping Arizona, and that would be Trump's last path. Um, if if you're right about Michigan, Trump's last path would be flipping Arizona, which doesn't seem extraordinarily likely, but who the heck knows? But look, and obviously with uh with with the ballot dumping, sure, boy oh boy, it'd be nice if we had a a, a free press, wouldn't it? Not just the propaganda wing of the DNC. <laughs> I mean, this is if we had a free press that actually cared about truth, we'd already have an explanation as to what was going on, whether it's a conspiracy or whether it's everything's above board and we just don't understand their methodology. If we actually had real journalists in this country doing real journalism, we'd know by now. Not just outlets like your employer, Daily Caller. You're out there doing the Lord's work, but that's just one 
site. You guys don't have the resources of a New York Times or a Washington Post, somebody like that. Um, real quick, uh, we do have to mention uh, the Senate races. It's looking like, uh, I'd put it at a 95% chance at least, that the GOP does maintain control of the Senate. It's looking like a. It, it's going to come down to the wire, probably a 51-49, maybe 52-48 uh, GOP Senate hold. Um, Cory Gardner, Republican out of Colorado's toast. He conceded his race to John Hickenlooper. Wow, really? You guys wanted John Hickenlooper? That guy's a moron. Yeah, but um, God bless Cory Gardner. Cory Gardner has a great future in politics. It depends on where he goes. I think he'll run for some sort of state office in Colorado. I hope it's governor. I don't know if he wins that election, but I don't think Cory Gardner's career is over. He's been a great, a great conservative Republican senator. Uh, it's sad to see him go. Yeah, he he can win statewide. Uh, as, I mean, he already has won statewide, but just not in a presidential year. I mean, the, whoever is running on, on a Democratic ticket in a presidential year is going has huge coattails in a state like Colorado. Like, you know, it's similar on, on the flip side in a place like uh, Montana, Montana, where you saw uh, Gianforte won the, the governorship pretty easily. You saw a Republican uh, uh, maintain the, the Senate seat. Danes maintained his, his Senate seat. Um, mainly because it's a it's an election year and a Republican presidential candidate has huge coattails in a state like that. But yeah, I agree. I, I think Corey does have a bright future. It looks like Martha McSally in Arizona will lose. Um, that it's not called yet, but she I, I don't see she's trailing behind Trump in Arizona, and it seems unlikely Trump will win, um, let alone McSally. Um, Collins is too close to call. Susan Collins up in Maine. Um, she's still above fifty percent. If she goes below fifty percent. Um, it'll go to, they have ranked choice voting, so it gets a little weird, but it still looks like she might pull it off, which if so, I mean, that woman is a cat. I mean, she has, <laughs> the Democrats have been trying to take her out for 20 years, man. It's, it's amazing. I don't know how Susan Collins keeps hanging on. And this is where we get into the interesting conversation. What is Trumpism without Trump? What does the Republican party possibly look like without Trump? Well, if you have a, if you have a energetic, enthusiastic candidate for the president of the United States, right? And I, I know that you hate this idea, but if you have someone who's got the working class appeal that is a little bit more bombastic, who could be like a Josh Hawley type, Ugh. you're going to perform we, we so we much better. We don't, we don't use that name on this podcast. <laughs> well, last time I was on, you used it, breaking your own rules. Like you said, you're a hypocrite for voting early too. Um, but what I'm what I'm seeing is okay. These a lot, you know, California suburbs blued, um, Georgia suburbs blued, Arizona suburbs blued, um, New Hampshire blued, Minnesota blued. Over the course of this election, it looks like, regardless of whether or not Trump wins any of those states, or the states at least that haven't been called yet, he's already lost some of them. But I don't think those suburbs stay blue in 2024 if Trump loses this election and you get a candidate who – the Republican Party is finally waking up to the idea that they can be a working class party, one, and two, that because they're a working class party now, if you are catering to rural white working class voters, working class voters in Hispanic and black areas as well are coming along with them. The working class appeal is what's carrying 
Trump to overperform with Hispanics by massive numbers massive. and by blacks by massive numbers. massive numbers. I mean, he's doubled his support among black males and black women. Yeah. You know, he's 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 massively improved his prospects with Hispanics in cities along the border in Texas where everyone was saying that's going to go blue, that's Beto O'Rourke territory, blah 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 blah. Yeah, well it turns out that Hispanic working class and black working class voters, they're not necessarily down with woke critical race theory politics, right? I mean, the biggest losers in this election, um, one, the English language, because neither candidate knows how to speak it, um, right, right. Two, two, the polls, three, identity politics, um, and four, Chuck Schumer. Because Chuck Schumer burnt $200 million in two Senate races where they didn't have a goddamn chance. <laughs> could, could you imagine... If instead of carting around Amy McGrath and oh. giving her ninety million dollars and giving Jamie, who Jamie, you know, uh, uh, Harrison, I his last name, Harrison, Harrison, I believe, yeah. Jamie Harrison is a good candidate. He seems like a good guy, um, very, very gracious in his in his defeat. Lindsey Graham also a great guy, very, very gracious in his victory. Um, if they hadn't burned one hundred ninety million dollars in those two Senate races, you could flip Joni Ernst's seat. It would have been unlikely, but it would have been more likely than you unseating Mitch frickin McConnell. I really and don't know why Lindsey they, Graham. Yeah, why? I, I, it's mind boggling. Tom you know, Tillis is a terrible candidate, and you're not going to win that seat. It looks like no matter where it breaks, like Cal Cunningham. Even with his scandal, only 26% said that issue, like his sexual scandal issue was, or his affair um, was, I got to be explicit about those things now because like half of the uh, candidates are having affairs and the other half are sexually assaulting people. So right, right, he didn't right. sexually assault anyone, silver lining, but he still had an affair in his own house, which is disgusting. But only 26% of voters said it was very or somewhat important to them in their decision. So Cal Cunningham had a lane still in this race, and they didn't give him the the money that he needed to get across the line. And that's what I think, you know, Chuck Schumer and the, or the Democrats at least need to really rethink their leadership um, in Chuck Schumer. And which is which is funny because like Chank Uger had that or Uger had that meltdown last night on the Young Turks <laughs> uh, when he was talking about the Democratic establishment. And it was hilarious because I'm watching this. I'm like, 80 percent of what he's saying is absolutely correct right, right now right. about the Democratic establishment. If I was on the left, I'd be outraged at the Democratic establishment. You have the most unpopular president in history. And. You have a milquetoast, you know, presidential candidate, and you can't muster a landslide victory. Like what? Like th this is completely the Democratic establishment's fault, and they don't realize it yet. I don't know if it's just the Democratic establishment's fault. I mean, I think a lot of it is like the Hollywood, you know, socialist, communist left kind of base. To are those supposed to be different people? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kind kidding. of. I, I, I get. I get. But like the, the, the Taylor, cultural, the cultural elites in the Democratic right. Party are the biggest losers. Because that's what you're realizing. Yeah, because they don't know. They don't know who Tom Tillis is. Like they don't. You know, like Taylor Swift, and Katy Perry don't know Tom Tillis from Adam, but they know that they hate Mitch McConnell. So they're gonna. <laughs> so they're gonna raise right. millions and millions of dollars to try to unseat an extraordinarily popular senator. In Kentucky, <laughs> so it's like, right. and they the McGrath campaign they lit a hundred million dollars on fire. They, she lost by what, fifteen points? Uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell won by like twenty points. Twenty, twenty points, twenty points. Spent a hundred, a cool hundred mil to lose to a turtle, an eighty-year-old turtle by twenty points. Amazing stuff. And you know what? Here's what I'll say: the Republican Party 
you you got to you got to love that the deck is stacked against them sometimes because they have to be more clever in their message. Now Trump is uh, obviously goes against this grain that like Trump is incredibly clever in his messaging where he can actually build a coalition of working class voters. He realized that that was a massive hole in the in the in the uh uh Republican Party and and uh, a massive cultural hole in the Republican Party where Republicans were just seeding ground on cultural issues, right? Reagan realizes realized the same thing when he ran against Gerald Ford in 1976. Gerald Ford wins the primary, loses the election, and what happens? Ronald Reagan gets elected in 1980 after Joe after you know Jimmy Carter's four years in the in the Oval Office. You know who looks like a lot like Jimmy Carter? Joe Biden. Joe Biden looks a lot like Jimmy Carter. So that was Donald Trump's usefulness in this. But because Republicans have to constantly be more clever in their messaging and in their strategies, Kevin McCarthy and Donald and Mitch McConnell are incredible assets to the Republican Party. The president, regardless of whose election elected, seems to have no coattails for the second time, for the second election in a row. That means that Republicans are just out organizing and out strategizing. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of these Democratic operatives in really really key races. Um, so I I think that's that's a huge marker for Republican success. I still think Republicans can walk away with this election thinking we held the Senate when it was you know nearly two thirds of the seats that were up were were our seats and seven of the nine toss ups were leaning Democrat. I think that the Republican Party can still walk away feeling good about this election no matter what happens. Yeah, I, privately, I, obviously publicly you're outraged. Right, and, right. You know, but but privately, I think if I'm a, if I'm a serious operative for the Republican Party, I can say it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, I think both parties will take that tactic. Yeah, I mean they'll, they'll both, you know, obviously privately that the the left will be privately mad. You know, this is assuming Joe Biden wins. Who knows? Maybe President Trump is reelected. But if Joe Biden does win, you know, they'll 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 take it as a win. Obviously, it is a big win. Anytime you you know have a president elected from your party it's a win but they'll, they'll obviously be furious that they underperformed in all these congressional races all these senate races some of the gubernatorial races as well i believe there's one state which state was it that did actually flip uh blue to red in the the state legislature as well which is important for redistricting but uh you know they'll, they'll be uh, both parties have uh have reasons for for optimism and pessimism i think i, I think I, we, we obviously don't know who the next president will be yet but what we do know is this was not a blue wave, wave or a red wave. This was a, I don't think this was necessarily a referendum on anyone, on Trump or Biden. Um, I think it was just a divided country voting <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think yeah. th- that's all it is. And obviously, if, if ifs were fists, we'd all be drunk. But you have to think Trump overperforming the polls in most states by anywhere from five to ten points. And, and the GOP retaining the Senate. In all likelihood, it's like you got to think the, the only ammunition the left had on Trump was the coronavirus. You have to think minus the pandemic. I don't think Trump loses any swing states. I don't think he loses Nevada, New Hampshire, Minnesota even. I, I think this actually would have been a, a, a red wave kind of year. Um, but look, I mean, when something horrible happens, the incumbent gets blamed and obviously um you know, the, the left effectively used the coronavirus to beat Trump over the head with it every day for the last eight months. So I think that was definitely the factor here. But I, I don't know if there's too much to glean from from either side. I, I think this is just a divided country voting. I, you know, there was no even just geographically speaking. It's not like there was a wave in the suburbs on the West Coast or a wave in, in the, you know, 
in, in New England or anything. Like, it was nothing like that. It was just a divided country split right down the middle. Right. And I, I think that was funny that you qualified. Like, Democrats will be privately pissed if Biden wins, because if Trump wins, they'll be publicly pissed. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's, that's you know, still a, a, a slim but very possible possibility. Um, but yeah, I think that if you're the Democrats, you feel good about how you've performed in Sunbelt suburbs. And I think if you're Republicans, if you feel really good about how you performed in uh, Rust Belt states that, you know, in 2008 and 2012, you just really weren't that competitive. Um, so I think that there's, there's takeaways for both Republicans for both parties to feel um, a little bit more optimistic. But if you're the Democrats, um, you got it. You know, I, I feel like even if Trump loses, there's reason to be, there's reason to feel more optimistic for Republicans than Democrats um, going forward. And I know that that sounds weird with demographic changes in Texas and all this stuff. Well, you know, that's not really holding up uh, as we thought it would. And one more thing before I let you go. Um, the stock market's doing just fine. Uh, I think that uh, is due to the fact that Republicans maintain control of the Senate. I, I think you would have seen stocks absolutely crash um, if the Democrats retook the Senate. Um, obviously, with Mitch McConnell in control of the Senate, that means no court packing. That means no adding D.C. and, and, and Puerto Rico as states. <laughs> that means no, you know, eliminating the Second Amendment. All these, you know, horrifically evil, evil things that the, that you know the Democrats want to do. And honestly, to be honest, the, the DNC. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, their team, I they they would never admit it because they'd be stoned to death by the left. <laughs> but I'm sure they're they're not upset that that there's going to be a Republican Senate. I, I I really don't think if if Joe Biden is elected president, the last thing he wanted to do was you know be faced with this court packing thing, all the radical socialist stuff that the the leftist base wants. I don't think the Biden team or the DNC really wanted to tackle any of those issues. So I think, you know, you might see a little bit of a handshake. Okay, boy, slap him on the ass and just move on down the road. Because <laughs> we kind of avoided a real catastrophe here with, with the, you know, the GOP maintaining control of the Senate. I, I completely agree. And, I, you know, it was funny to watch the stock market, you know, kind of come back to earth after Trump was up early. It was up by like, a, a, you know, a whole a whole bunch of points. Um but yeah, I, I think that the, the Republican Senate staying really, really stabilized um, a lot of this. And, you know, the reason that it stabilizes it is because a divided government doesn't get much done. And that's a good thing. I'm interested to see how, you know, Pelosi and Biden, I feel like, are feeling good relatively about that, that they're not going to have to um, answer these questions from the radical left because it's just not an option. Now, we did see the, that Pelosi cave to the radical left on impeachment, I don't think she'll cave on these issues that will fundamentally change the country like this. Because she knew that, okay, we're going to impeach President Trump. It's something that we can run with in the run-up to the election. And obviously, coronavirus hasn't happened at this point yet, uh, right back in early 2020, if you remember that back far back. Um, but I, that's something that we can run with in the, in the run-up to the, the, to the election, and he has no chance of being removed from office. Um so I feel like Pelosi and Biden feel good about that. The one thing that I worry about for them, though, is Kamala Harris. What if the Senate does end up 50-50? You know, what if what if the Senate does end up 50-50 and Kamala Harris is going to be the dividing or the deciding vote in the Senate? I feel like Kamala Harris um, could run into friction with Joe Biden, especially just how radical um, she is. And Joe Biden's going to have to kind of keep her on a short leash. And if the Senate is that close, if it's, you know, I feel like. Kamala Harris for the first time in history is going to have 
a relatively high amount of power, um, like not just soft power, but material hard power in government. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, God forbid, then Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema become the most powerful people on earth. Whoever thought that would happen? <laughs> so, right. Hey, man. Hopefully, President Trump. Hey, man. Maybe you know, Trump nails the seven ten split and wins Arizona and Pennsylvania, and this is all moot. But uh, hey, one more thing before I let you go, Brad. Uh, just promise you won't commit suicide. Okay, I have your word on that. <laughs> so here's the deal. Promise. Um, if Trump loses, <laughs> there's a there's a really good chance he runs again in 2024. And 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 and. If Biden loses, I put it at about a hundred and ten percent chance Hillary Clinton runs again in twenty twenty four. So, dude, twenty sixteen might not be over until like twenty twenty eight. I don't think that's gonna happen. Really? Why? I give me one. Really? Don't think really? That's happen. Have you have you met Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? I know you haven't physically, but I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Brad. Ah. I think if I think. If there is a return of Hillary Clinton that the Democratic establishment said, listen, we eked out an election with someone not having all of your baggage in 2016. You were the reason like you I would be basically, you know, all those DNC higher ups saying, Hillary, we like you. But no, you know, go be a senator or something. Do a Mitt Romney if you want. But we're not putting you on. You know, maybe she runs. Do I think she has a chance of getting the nomination? Absolutely freaking not. No, no chance. If there's any woman who's going to be, you know, possible win in 2024, it'd probably be Kamala Harris. And that's with or without a Joe Biden victory. Um, and, and Kamala Harris is going to be popular and she's going to lose. Um, so I, I don't think Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton returns. I think Donald Trump could possibly return. Um, I feel like if if this is dragged out and it's legal challenges, even though it seems Biden has won, I feel like the legal challenges just kind of fade to the background. Yeah, there's legal challenges going on, but we're not really expecting anything to change. And it kind of just fades. And I feel like Trump is going to be fade. Like it's just going to fade until January when Joe Biden is is inaugurated and then at that point it's going to turn into okay trump is now going to be the kingmaker in the 2024 election cycle and that's kind of what i'm interested in i don't think he's going to run because i yeah i just don't think he's going to run again but i do think he's going to play kingmaker um whether or not he starts a company or whether or not he's just on twitter fulminating about the republican candidates I feel I do feel like he's going to play a, a substantial role in 2024 um, with or without his reelection. Man. Well, I just like conservative Inc. has done a pretty good job at restraining Donald Trump in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you can't really restrain him from running again. But I I kind of feel like. The Trump family. Like, do you really want to go through it again? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Well, we will check back next week. We uh, Maybe next week we'll know who the next president of the United States will be. 
Um, Brad, thanks for coming on, man. I kept you way over time, so I'll let you go. But where can everybody follow you online? Check out your podcast, which is fantastic, uh, and keep in touch and all that. Yeah, I haven't been doing my podcast lately because I just moved to D.C. and I hadn't gotten a desk or anything really to uh, actually do the podcast. But now I got my stuff out here and I'm ready to go. So we'll be starting that podcast up again really soon. The Elephant in the Room with Bradley Devlin at T-E-I-T-R underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, follow me online uh, on Twitter at Bradley Devlin. Um, and make sure to read my stuff over at The Daily Caller. Everybody follow Brad. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.